we are loved, we are loved, we are loved. What in your life needs to heal? Is it something in your body? Is it in your thoughts or your feelings? Welcome to the Empowered Healer Show with your host, Dr. Susan Allison. Our program will present healing methods and ideas to help you change the challenging parts of your life and support the people who mean the most to you. Now, here is Dr. Susan Allison. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Empowered Healer Show. I'm Dr. Susan Allison, and as always, I'm so glad you're here. You know, right now in Santa Cruz, excuse me, right now in Santa Cruz, California, fall is in the air, and it is one of my favorite seasons. Leaves are turning color and falling in our yard, and the persimmons are turning orange, and there are white wispy clouds in the sky. Today, I was sitting on the bench in our yard and remembering another bench in another city and another country. I was in Japan uh, visiting Kyoto. And I fell in love with a Zen garden there that was designed just for viewing the moon. Gravel was raked perfectly and the bench was placed in just the right position to view the moon. I especially loved the Shinto customs of placing shrines in nature like by a waterfall or on a mountain to honor the spirits of that place. You know, I had a wonderful time in Japan when I lived there and I love the reverence for nature, for beauty, and the ref the reverence for the spirit in each person. So today on the show, it's perfect because we have two guests, Roy Gibbon and Roseanne Spetty, who will speak about the reverence for nature, for art and beauty, and the healing that can be found in the teachings and practice of Shumei. Roy is co-author of the book, An Offering of Light, Healing with Jore, Natural Agriculture and Art. He writes articles for Shumei Magazine and teaches classes at various Shumei centers. Currently, he works at the educational department at Shumei America's National Center in Pasadena, California. Roseanne Spetty is outreach coordinator for the Shumei Santa Cruz Center in Central California, and we'll talk about the center and its practices and offerings. So, hi, Roseanne, and hi, Roy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Susan. Hi, Susan. It's nice Thank to you for have you. Us on the show. <laughs> I yes, really so uh, have been enjoying your book, Roy, uh, An Offering of Light. And, you know, it explains the teachings and the practices of Shume, which I'm, I'm grasping, but I'm feeling like I need to read it again. Maybe we could start by having you define Shume or talk about Shume and its, his, a bit of its history and philosophies. Okay. Well, Shume, uh, that's a Japanese word. It means supreme light. Mm-hmm. And that's at the core of Shumei, which is uh, actually a practice mm-hmm. we do called Jore, which is directing spiritual light towards people mm-hmm. for healing and, and uh, happiness, basically. Mm-hmm. The organization is based in Japan. Mm-hmm. It was started by a man named Mokichi Okada, who uh, his title is Neishisama, which means Master of Light. He's mm-hmm. the person who introduced Jore to the world back in the 1940s early 40s. Mm. Uh, he's passed away. He passed away in 1955. And the organization has continued to grow. And we have a number of centers around the United States, actually throughout the world. As well as Jore, we also practice natural agriculture, which is a spiritual form of farming that does not use any chemicals or manure. And we also support the arts. We feel that 
beauty in particular helps to heal heal the soul and elevate consciousness and promote social harmony. So those are probably the three main practices within Shumei. Yes, um, I was seeing how many places, and towards the end of the show, I'll have you tell people sort of how they can contact you and find a center near them. So I was interested when I was reading, how did Shumei come to the West? Oh, let's see. The first center to be established outside of Asia was in Hollywood, California. And that is one of our senseis. Sensei means teacher. One of our senseis came here back in, uh, I think, the late 70s and started that up. And the center is still there. It's a beautiful old mansion up in the Hollywood Hills. And very fortunately, it has a just a huge backyard in which we have a, a natural agriculture demonstration garden right in the middle of the city. Mm. And uh, one of the things we emphasize in natural agriculture gardens is beauty. So we mm-hmm. try to grow flowers and uh, just think about the aesthetics because the consciousness of the people working on the farm, we believe, affects the quality of the food that's grown. Mm-hmm. And it's also a spiritual practice in which you focus on love and gratitude and cooperation with nature rather than dominance of nature. So the beauty helps enhance that as well. Yeah, I know. I love that. In fact, I'd love you to talk more, perhaps since we're already on the topic of natural agriculture. You know, if you could sort of tell me, sort of like, you know, you have a field or you have a backyard, and like how how do you start and how do you keep those pesky little bugs from eating your tomatoes? And so so how how do you do it, like from when you first plant on, and if you could just share a bit about what natural agriculture means. Um, before we get into techniques, can I give yeah. you a bit of an overview? Oh, certainly. Okay. Uh, the reason we call natural agriculture a spiritual practice mm-hmm. is the underlying belief is that all of nature is conscious, intelligent, and sensitive, meaning that plants, not only plants, but the soil itself, rocks, insects, the air and the water around us, all of that has a level of consciousness to one extent or another. And because of that, our consciousness can interact with the environment. So if a farmer is growing plants with love, the the plants we believe will do better, crops will grow better, the soil will improve, uh, even the water will change. There is a uh, Japanese researcher named Dr. Masaru Emoto. Uh, some, some of the, your listeners may know about him. Mm. He has done studies on water mm-hmm. showing that uh, different thoughts and attitudes affect the structure of water on a, sub, on a sub-molecular level, that water that has love or beauty directed to it or surrounding it creates these beautiful crystalline hexagonal shapes. As the, first, they freeze the water, and as it's melting, it creates these crystalline shapes. Whereas uh, water that's subjected to discordant emotions or vibrations or possibly heavy metal music or gangster rap, something with a more discordant vibration, the, those hexagonal shapes of crystals do not exist. Instead, the water has very little structure, if at all. So our bodies are 70 or 80% water. Plants mm-hmm. are even a higher percentage of water. Soil has water. There's water everywhere. So just on the level of water, our thoughts affect the environment. So that's at the core of natural agriculture. Mm. 
we also don't believe in dominating nature, mm-hmm. which conventional farming will do with tractors and chemicals. We'll try to force the, the, the soil to grow whatever we want, irrespective of the type of plant. Yep. And the consequences of that are toxicity. Yes. So Chumayat natural agriculture is closer to organic farming, but with some distinctions as well. Organic farming usually, because there's a wide variety of types of organic farming, but generally organic farming believes in replacing the nutrients in the soil that they believe the plants are extracting. So as a plant grows, it takes minerals out of the soil and you have to put them back in. Mm-hmm. And natural agriculture feels, no, that's not quite exactly correct we believe that the soil under the right conditions will naturally rejuvenate itself without the need for that kind of uh, interjection. For instance, the jungles in the Amazon have been growing for thousands of years, and there aren't farmers over there adding rock dust and compost and what have you. Same with the forests in Siberia. I'm, I'm choosing places which I don't think have too many humans. Mm-hmm. So in the same sense, we believe that if we mm-hmm. take care of the soil correctly and give it love, that's you could say maybe love is the, is the fertilizer that we give to the soil. But if we do that, and also if we cover the soil with uh, leaves and grass from the immediate vicinity, that will help keep the soil soft, warm, and moist. Or if it's a really hot climate, we would say soft, cool, and moist. Mm-hmm. And that will help the soil rejuvenate along with the love of the farmer and it will encourage the growth of microorganisms and worms and healthy yeast. And that is the foundation of the soil. Yeah, that's so interesting to me. I mean, I have so many thoughts flying through my head. I love the um, feeling that they're knowing that there are spirits in all things, knowing that everything is alive and vibrant rocks and, and minerals and earth and sky. And I love that. And it's, it's very, um, uh, parallel to our own Native American teachings here in this country, it seems. Yes, that's right. And it's also, mm-hmm. as you, as you, since you've been to Japan, yep. you know that it's part of the Shinto culture as well. Yep, that's exactly right. And I think the Celtics in Europe had that belief as well. I believe they did too. In fact, I'm, I'm thinking that a lot of indigenous peoples, if we look at, you know, even at, you know, I went up to Hokkaido and, you know, the, the Ainu people, I mean, some of the indigenous uh, peoples had this belief and this this connection to the land and the, this love and, and, and also respect <clears throat> is what I'm hearing from you, is this respect uh, for nature. There's a, one of my favorite philosophers, his name is Alan Watts, and he said one of the perfect symbols for the 20th century, which I think may still apply now, was the bulldozer. Because we use a bulldozer to level mountains and fill up valleys, and basically we're dominating nature. Yep. And uh, we can only get away with that for so long before before trouble happens. That's very, very true. You know, it's it bulldozing our way, the 20th and 21st century, also in terms of being aggressive, competitive. So you could take that the bulldozer. You know, analogy in very in several directions. That's right. So we we want to encourage more of a gentle, cooperative approach to life, not just in the garden, but with everyone. Yep. No, I love that. Roseanne, did you want to add anything just about the natural agriculture that you've witnessed in the Santa Cruz, uh, California community? Um, <clears throat> I know 
really have beautiful, wonderful, perfect soil in Bonnie Dune. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's perfect for uh, growing uh, natural agriculture vegetables. And um, um, the soil was analyzed by Dr. Elaine Ingham from the Rodale Institute. And uh, she took a soil sample and looked at it under the microscope, and it has everything needed for um, uh, good, pure living soil. Mm. So um, that's this kind of soil we have there at Chumay Santa Cruz Farm. Roseanne, do you want to talk a little more about the history of that farm and what what was there before the Chumay Farm was there? Um, yeah, so the soil was uh, became pure as it was uh, uncontaminated for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So when Shumay's, uh, um members uh, were looking for a site for the natural agriculture farm, uh, they found this site up in Bonny Dune at 1,500 feet elevation, and it used to be a um, vineyard. And um, so the vineyard, uh, they decided not to use anymore who owned the land, and, and um, so they cleared the land, and it was clean for 10 years. So, and then they returned to its natural state, and That's that was perfect great. for growing uh, natural agriculture crops. Mm, that's wonderful. Another and reason I, why uh, mm-hmm. natural agriculture is considered a spiritual practice is if you are a farmer or a gardener and you are focusing on love and gratitude and developing a loving relationship with the plants, imagine doing that day after day, year after year, focusing on love and gratitude. That will change you, and you'll find that that same approach, same attitude, will spill over into your relationships with others. And if you're not dominating Beautiful. plants and nature, but working and looking and listening at what's going on in the garden and cooperating with it, that will also spill over into your relationships with others. Beautiful. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Um, yeah, and not bulldozing our way. Maybe during the break, we have to take a break, but maybe during the break we can think of a, of a symbol or analogy uh, for the Shumei way of um, dealing with nature and with one another. So we will be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. 
Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. We are held in the hands of the goddess. We are held, we are held, we are held. You are tuned in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to the Empowered Healer at Comcast.net. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. And we've been talking to Roy Given and Roseanne Spetty about Shume and its teachings and practices. And we've been talking about natural agriculture. And I wonder if there's anything more you want to say about natural agriculture, either of you, before I move on to talk about art and beauty. Um. No, uh, I'd like to talk about the Shumei Santa Cruz Center when there's a, a time appropriate. Yeah, why don't you talk about it now, just because you were just talking about uh, the agriculture there and the perfection of the soil and how wonderful it is. So why don't you, why don't you continue on that vein and talk about the center? Okay, great. Okay, um, the Shumei Santa Cruz Center is about happiness and harmony. So um, this is what it's all about. It is a place where a beautiful environment cultivates beauty in your heart. And you can begin a journey of spiritual healing where God's love and light surrounds you. <clears throat> and the center it is, it is where we can transform our lives and cultivate our spirituality through Shumei's three main practices, which is natural agriculture, appreciation of art and beauty, and Jore, divine light healing. So the Santa Cruz Center is nestled in the majestic redwood forest of Bonnie Dune, California, at 1,500 feet elevation in the Santa Cruz Mountains. The center contains a spiritual atmosphere that allows us to open our hearts to the healing power of Jore, and um, uh, and it will enhance your spiritual development as well. The center's sampai room, where chanting takes place and jory is given, has a picturesque view of the surrounding natural splendor. The center also has a meditation garden that enables you to meander its various paths. This is where you can come to contemplate and nurture your spirit. There are seats honed out of redwood tree trunks placed in peaceful areas where filtered sunlight beams through the tall trees and native forest flora in our tranquil circle of redwood seats where you can begin your divine light healing journey with other participants. Come and visit the Shumei Santa Cruz 
center and feel the love of God's light all around you. It is natural to come in touch with the divine in nature's garden. Um, and we'd like you to come and experience what others have come to learn. Devote yourself to nurturing and healing your inner spirit while beginning your spiritual healing journey of inner transformation. So we would like you to learn the Shumei philosophy, which will foster your intellectual, physical, and spiritual growth with other Shumei members in the Santa Cruz Center. And we also want to mention we offer chanting sessions in Jory, um, um, and we have a reading circle and a sampai every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. at the uh, Shumei Santa Cruz Center. And also um, uh, we have a uh, monthly sampai that's um, every third Wednesday of the month at uh, 5 p.m. And uh, we hope mm. you can join us. Wonderful. What's a sampai? Uh, Sampai consists of um, chanting the Amatsunarito, which is um, Meishu Sama's, one of Meishu Sama's poems, and the other is uh, We Exchange Jore. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what Sampai consists of. It usually lasts about a half an hour. Yeah, I'm going to ask you. Would you uh, mm-hmm. know what the Amatsunarito consists of? Yeah, the Amatsunarito is an ancient Shinto chant. Uh, it's based on mythological story, mm. but the essence of it is to invoke purification of one's soul mm-hmm. and to express gratitude for that purification. Wonderful. And I guess the question, a couple questions come up for me. One, I mean, can let's say that somebody hears this show and wants to come up. I mean, are there certain times they can come or they could they just drive up there right now? Like, what are sort of the... the the guidelines for when just the average person could come participate? Um, participate in a sampai? Well, for instance, let's say someone hears this and they get excited. Like I, I know a couple of people who are, are in, into organic farming. What if they want to just come up? I mean, is it possible or do they need to call first? Is there a phone number? Do they need to go to a website? Like how do they know? when they can come, and then what's happening when they do come. Yeah, uh, we have a phone number, which is uh, 831-425-3880, and they can also email us at uh, Santa Cruz Center, that's Santa Cruz Center, all one word, at gmail.com. And um, also, yeah, it would be nice to call first and uh, give us um, a heads up that they're coming so we are prepared. There's always someone there besides, you know, at the center. There's always a Shumei member there. Good. So they can drop by at any time, but it'd be better to call first or email us. Sometimes they might be out on the farm, right, so they may not hear the phone ring? Yes. Yeah, so they can leave a message. Yes. Wonderful. So you mentioned uh, Jore, and I know that just from reading the book that it's, you know, really, really a central part of Shumei and um, such a blessing. So I wonder, Roy, one of you, I wonder if you would talk about, you know, the, the maybe the origins of Jore, how, how Jore is given. I saw some pictures in the book, so I'm kind of, and online, so I'm clearer about that now, but could you talk about Jore? El Jore is uh, divine light. Mm-hmm. It's light uh, from source. So the, the person practicing Jore is, is conducting 
energy that's from beyond them. We're just the conduit for the energy. And uh, we feel that Jore is a very purifying energy that, from our experience, tends to detoxify the body Mm -hmm. and purify the blood. And we feel it strengthens the immune system, calms the mind and balances the emotions, and over time promotes spiritual growth. Mm. Uh, the, we, don't, we don't charge for Jore. It's considered a gift. It's a gift from God or from the universe. And uh, it's not faith healing. You don't need to believe in it for it to work. Mm-hmm. For instance, you can give Jore or give light to uh, little kids, infants, people unconscious or asleep. You can give it to plants or animals. So they don't need to believe in it. Nonetheless, our consciousness does influence it to some extent. Mm-hmm. When we're giving Jore, we want to quiet our minds and open our hearts. That allows us to be a clearer conduit for the energy. And the same with someone who's receiving Jore. If they also f- focus on gratitude, they yep. can be more receptive for the energy. Wonderful. I saw the picture I saw was, you know, people sitting in chairs and the person giving jury having their hand out and sending the sending the divine light from their hand to the person and if it gets tired then they use the other hand is that accurate that's right we want to stay very relaxed so if the arm is getting a little tired you just casually switch hands mm-hmm. and when we're giving jury jury is very simple we we direct energy just to the forehead and the top of the head mm. not anywhere else in the body the idea behind that from my understanding, is that we believe that the the forehead, some people call that the third eye, yep. that this center of the body is more perceptive to subtle energies. It's more receptive mm. to light. And the top of the head, some people call that the crown chakra, yep. that, that is, we believe that's the uh, our most direct connection to source, to God, to the divine. So it's also very open to the energy. And Jore... Because it comes from, from God or source, we believe that it, it is a conscious, intelligent energy. It's not just a mechanical energy like, like an X-ray or a laser or something. It, it has divinity within it. And therefore, we believe that the, the, the light knows where to go and what to do. So the mm. practitioner, the jury practitioner, basically has to get out of the way and yep. allow the light to do its work. So by directing the energy to the forehead and the top of the head the areas we think are most receptive to light, that allows the energy to go into the body and into the, the emotions and the mind and, and do what's necessary. Now, if we try to interfere and we say, okay, I think that person's got a headache, so I'm going to, or that person has a stomach ache, so I'm going to direct light to the stomach because that's where they need it, that might, that might help. That's right. But we don't know what is causing the stomach mm-hmm. ache. Maybe the person ate something that didn't agree with them. Maybe they have an ulcer, maybe they have parasites, or a pinched nerve in the back that's affecting the stomach somehow. Maybe someone punched them in the stomach. We we don't know. Maybe they're depressed, uh, and that's affecting their digestion, or anxiety might be. There's many things that could affect a person's digestion. Mm -hmm. So by directing energy to the upper centers, they were allowing the energy to go where it needs to go. And let's say the person's under a lot of stress and anxiety then rather than working on the stomach, the energy may go and work on the mental and emotional body and start to calm the person down and, uh, and relax them. And then the stomach will start to improve as a, 
as a byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. If we direct the energy directly to the stomach, it may help them, but if we don't work at the core co- core issue, it may not last as long or it may not be as effective. Mm-hmm. No, I love that because it's about our getting out of the way and realizing that divine intelligence knows where to send the light. We also recognize that we're not the doer. We're That's just exactly, the conduit. Exactly right. And, you know, there are other other um, modalities. You know, I'm thinking of um, Sai Ma's followers and devotees learning how to do diksha. Have you, I don't know if you've heard about diksha. Oh, yes, yes I, I've, I, had, I was lucky to experience that before. Yeah. And do you think it's, I was going to ask if you thought it was similar. I don't know enough about it. Uh, the energy mm-hmm. felt really nice, but yep. I don't know if it's mostly for physical healing or emotional healing. If, more, if it's more of a blessing, I, I, I didn't get a good explanation. They were busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's called, yeah, it's called the pure light. It's a pure, called pure light blessing, but I have learned how to give that and it sounds very similar just in terms of being the conduit. And, you know, the hollow reed and letting the, letting the energy, the divine light come through you and go to the person. And it's, uh, very, uh, respectful and, um, so on. So, I mean, it sounds similar. I just was wondering. Yeah, if, so we're if, on that same page. Yeah. I think it's interesting. So we need to take another break. This is moving very fast. Uh, it always does when it's fascinating. And we will be right back and hear more about Shume. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. What are the benefits to combining modern science with ancient healing practices? For the answers, you'll want to tune into Frame of Mind with your host, Terry Sue. Each week, our program focuses on ways to live more holistically. By developing new ways of looking at our world, we can find ways to foster harmony and peace for the good of mankind and our planet. If we learn to live and think healthier, we begin to explore and focus on our strengths. Tune into Frame of Mind, Saturdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Be visionary. Be extraordinary. Be the change. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. We are held in the hands of the goddess. We are held, we are held, we are held. You are tuned in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. 
That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to theempoweredhealer at comcast.net. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everyone, to the Empowered Healer Show. And I have two guests today. I have double the treat. So I have Roy Gibbon and Roseanne Spetty talking about Shume, the teachings and practice. And so before the break, and I hope you were listening, but if not, don't forget that the show is archived and you can go and you can listen to it again. Or if you miss something and want to hear it again, uh, just we'll go, I think tomorrow it'll be up. Just go and you can listen to the archive show uh, on my host page. So, Roy, we were talking about uh, Jore and... Can anyone be trained to give it? Is that possible? Yes. Um, training might be a, may not be quite the right word because to give jore is very, very simple. Mm. It doesn't need elaborate training because some techniques of, of healing are very complex. You have to diagnose a person and yep. go through a sequence and move the energy, twist the energy, do all sorts of things. Uh, and jore, in, in a sense, is the opposite of all that because it's very, very simple. We just raise our hands and direct the light. The, the biggest focus is rather is on our consciousness rather than on a technique. Mm-hmm. So the more we can put our ego out of the way, quiet our mind and open our heart, the better, and then allow the energy to work. To give jore, one needs an initiation. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we get what's called an ohikari, which is a cloth pendant that we wear. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, sort of like a lens that focuses the energy within us so that we can <clears throat> convey this energy. So probably the key thing with Jore is really our motive. Mm-hmm. Why are we wanting to share light? We're not allowed to charge money for it. Mm-hmm. There's no real status. Uh, we're not Jore masters or anything like that. So we're, we're hoping that the reason a person will be sharing Jore is purely to help others, yep. to bring light into the world. We want to have an altruistic intent. Mm. So if a person wants that. to do that to help others, uh, then that then this is this would be very good for them. Fortunately, when we are directing energy, the energy moves through us, the giver, on its way to the receiver. So we benefit from that light as it comes through us. So there's a, as Jesus said, it's better to give than receive. Mm-hmm. We do get that 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 blessing when it comes through us. Yep, I, I know that that's true for me uh, practicing as a, a Reiki master, and also I do uh, something called the Reconnection, uh, Dr. Eric Pearl's work. And it's all about letting the divine light come through me. And um, it's, that's, yeah, it, it's how it is. And um, I, am be- I am blessed. So many times people will say to me, oh, you know, I don't want to bother you. This is too much trouble. And, you know, I'm afraid you'll be depleted. And I always say to them, no, no. I actually am am getting this blessing when I do it, and I f- feel fantastic afterwards. And so I'm assuming that the jury is the same way. Yeah. Um, sometimes we will go to some expo of some sort and have a, a jury booth there where mm. people come, like, line up and we give people jury all day long. And from my experience of doing that, I may get physically tired from standing so much and holding my arm, my arm up, but my emotions and my mind feels very elevated. I feel usually very high afterwards. And I, I, I imagine that's because the light is moving through me. Mm-hmm. So I'm benefiting from it. 
In a sense, you're getting Jore as you offer it. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's, I've experienced that as well with the, the Diksha uh, of Sai Ma's devotees. I, I have the same experience of feeling fabulous afterwards. Um, so it's really, really great. Now you mentioned, you've mentioned several times in terms of altruism and what our intent needs to be. And would you talk a bit about Hoshi? Okay, yeah, that ties in with, with the motive for giving Jore. Yep. First of all, I, I, could, I could say that there's, in a sense, two people who are drawn to Jore, or to Shume, for that matter. There's those who want healing, and those that want to help heal others. Uh, this, these are two different types of motives, and not necessarily two different types of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we hope that a person who's coming to Jore for healing will eventually... As they, as they get better and they get more connected with the energy, we're hoping their motive will change so that they're mostly concerned with helping others. It's sort of like what the Buddhists call the bodhisattva ideal. Mm-hmm. You, you, you benefit through helping others. Yeah. So as you're, as you're giving light to others, you're also healing as well. But not only are you healing, you're elevating your spirit. Mm-hmm. Because as you're moving this energy through you to help others, it's transforming your, your motives. Not yeah. just for giving joy, but sense your intention for how you live life, from one of of uh, trying to get what you want mm-hmm. to trying to help others feel better. Mm-hmm. That's a, a higher. I would call that a higher state of mind. Yep, higher vibration. Uh huh. And we we have a word for that called hoshi, the Japanese word, and that means uh, service. Beautiful. Within shume, uh, service will have a. Um, it stands on its own as well. It's not just part of Jore. Anything we do to be of service, whether to the world or to your friends, your family, or to Shume, supporting Shume and its mission, those are all forms of Hoshi. It could be like sweeping the floor or stuffing envelopes or giving people Jore or helping in the garden. That's all Hoshi. So that is a, a spiritual practice, doing being of service. You could You could look at it from a higher context and say that you're really serving God. Mm-hmm. serving God through serving the world. Beautiful. I love that. Because I was going to ask you if it applied to other things besides Jore. And you answered my question um, that it's when we are of selfless service. Mm-hmm. And that could be anything. And You know, I've been talking to people lately, in fact, about, you know, it doesn't have to be this grand thing that we do. In the world, you know, we think, oh, what's my mission? And actually, it could be that you're kind when you're walking down the street and you smile and it makes that person's day and week and month and it could change their life. So selfless service, it, it, it you know, could be something that others might perceive as something very small. Yeah, we don't know what kind of struggle, what kind of struggles another person is going through. Yep. Somebody might be very cold or rude to you. And they might be going through a really difficult situation, and that's the best they can do. And for us to not react to that in a negative way, but to let it go and be kind, give them a smile, take you, if we give that person the benefit of doubt and, and assume that they, they don't really want to act that way, but they can't help it at the moment, just that, that frame of mind that we can, if we take that on, that would be a form of hoshi. That would be a form of service. Yeah, that we all, yeah, that we have compassion and empathy for others. 
um, yeah, I've been talking to a lot of people lately about that, that, um, it's so important for us to not assume that something about anybody really. We want to look for, try to see the good in others or even yep. deeper see God in others. Yep, exactly. So as we open our, our mind and, uh, open our connection to source, those perceptions will become more available. That's, that's part of spiritual growth is learning mm-hmm. to open oneself up like that. I agree with you. Um, in fact, I was going to ask you how you would define light. You know how every, so many people say, you know, sign their emails with love and light. There's all this emphasis on light, whether it's from those who are Pleiadians or whomever. How would you define light? I mean, you've, today you've mentioned it. It might be the word that you've mentioned the most. Um, divine light from source and, uh, you know, supreme light and, what is, and then of course Deepak Chopra would say it's energy. So what what is the light? Like how would you define that? When we get to the higher truths in life, we get to a realm which is really beyond words. Mm-hmm. It's like if you ask what is consciousness. Yeah. We know what it is. It's a direct, immediate part of our experience, but it's not easy to define. I know it. And the same with light. Uh, of course, physical light, we know, is zillions of photons, little subatomic particles of energy. And if you go deeper, it's just waves of energy and information. Mm-hmm. And what is that and where does that come from? I think fundamentally, we really don't know what anything is. We know <laughs> so, about things. We can experience mm-hmm. things. But we don't know what something is in its core. Yep. And the, I, I would say that God, as pure being, as pure spirit, is formless and invisible and unchanging. It's everywhere, including within us, or God is everywhere, including within us. Mm-hmm. But God is not merely formless and, and unchanging. God also is everything we experience. God is the world around us. God mm-hmm. is our thoughts and emotions and feelings. Everything is an expression of God. God is senses everything and nothing. Mm-hmm. And the light as a, as a, is right in between form and formless. It's like the border between the form and the formless. It's that which first emerges. Like as in the Bible, they say in the beginning was light or the beginning yep. was the word. Yep. Uh, and I think they, they call that logos. Logos mm-hmm. is the word. Mm-hmm. And there's different definitions of that. You could say that logos is Jesus. You could say logos is intelligence or principle. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, an analogy, keep it more concrete, if you think about a flame, fire, there's fire and then there's heat, which is an expression of the fire. Yeah. The, the heat is not separate from fire, and yet it is. Mm-hmm. The light that from a flame is not separate, and yet it is. So the light from God or source is like the light from a flame. It's part of God, and yet you could also look at it as not God. It all depends on how we, the perceiver decide to, to look at it. Yep. So light, and I'm going to have to use a dualistic way of looking at this, but uh, if we say that there's a formless, pure being, pure spirit, and there's a form of the world, then the, some things are more immediately an immediate expression of God, and some things are seemingly further away from God. The things that are, seem to be closer have more harmony and intelligence and uh, light. Mm-hmm. The things that are further away seem to be darker, have more shadows, more discordance. They seem to be more separate. 
So the further you appear to be from God, nobody's really far away from God, but it appears to be in our limited consciousness. Yeah. The further away we think we are from God or feel that we are from God, the more we experience the world of separation, yep. of separate objects, and then our relationship to objects can become one of hostility or alienation or fear because we all we see as objects. And we yep. may even view ourselves as an object and the people around us as objects. That's, the, that's an experience of suffering, of alienation. Yep. We want to go back to where we start to see the underlying unity in all things. And light is one of the things that we can experience to some extent. The experience of God or pure being is not really an experience in the sense of an experience or having an experience. You go beyond the experience or and the experience. Yep. Light can still be experienced. So that would be, I would say, in a sense, the first expression of this source. Yes. The more we connect with that, the more we start to align with it. We align with that harmony and that beauty and that stillness that is the light. And the light, because it's harmonious, is very healing and uplifting because of its very nature of being close to God. Yep. Well, I'm, a, I'm glad I'm gonna have, we're going to have to take a break. Okay. But I just I, I debated whether to ask you that because I'm going through my own philosophical uh, discussions inside myself about what the light is. Um, and I love what you're saying, but we have to take a break. <laughs> we'll be right back, right. everyone. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Is there a difference between dream work and intuition? The relationship is closer than you think. These are mutually supportive concepts. When you dream, your intuition serves as a foreshadow of the future and can bring rapid results through dream analysis. Tune in to The Partnership of Intuition and Dreams with your host, Dr. Marcia Emery. Explore this unique relationship and learn to understand how the symbolism of dreams can be clarified. Listen every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Dr. Susan Allison is available online, by phone, and in person to help you heal whatever is no longer working in your life. You can go to her website at www.empoweredhealer.com or call her toll-free at 866-268-2121. Dr. Allison also has CDs and DVDs available on her website to empower you even more. You can listen to her voice guide you through meditations, visualizations, and exercises from her book, Empowered Healer. Her powerful book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Balboa Press, and from local bookstores. Begin today to gain the confidence, power, and ability to heal yourself. Visit EmpoweredHealer.com or call 866-268-2121. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. We are held in the hands of the goddess. We are held, we are held, we are held. You are tuned in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. If you wish to speak to Dr. Allison or her guests this week, 
please call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or you can send an email to the Empowered Healer at Comcast.net. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everyone, to the Empowered Healer Show. And I have two guests here, if you're just tuning in, Roy Gibbon and Roseanne Spetty. And we have been talking about what light is and about God and fabulous, fabulous discussion. Uh, we could use another hour or maybe a lifetime to talk about this topic. Um, but we have just one more segment of the show left. And Roseanne, I wanted you, before we forget, I want you to tell people the address of the Shume Santa Cruz Center. And then also Roy or somebody, I want you to tell people how to get the book, An Offering of Light. Okay. Um, the address of the Shume Santa Cruz Center is 6040 Bonnie Dune Road in Bonnie Dune, California. That's in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And... Um, um, and the center is open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Wonderful. And then you also gave the phone number. Give the phone number one more time. Okay, sure. It's 831-425-3880. And the, uh, if you want to email us, it's santacruzcenter at gmail.com. Wonderful. And then, Roy, can you tell people how to get this wonderful book, An Offering of Light? Oh, thank you, Susan. Uh, mm-hmm. The way to get the book would be to contact the Pasadena Center. Unless, I don't know, uh, Roseanne, does the, does the uh, Santa Cruz Center have any copies there? Yes, we do. You we can buy them at the Santa Cruz Center, or you can get them through the mail if you contact the Pasadena Center. And the phone number here is 626-584-584. 8841, or you can go to our website, org. Good. And it has the phone number and all of that. Yeah, no, that's really best for people. Uh, org. If uh, the ideas today have really um, piqued your, your interest and you want to know more, which I do, then you can go to the website or you can call one of those phone numbers. So um, during the break... We were talking a bit about um, what did what was it you asked Roseanne? You asked Roy to talk about in terms of service or uh, yeah, he was talking about um, people come to this uh, Shumei for two reasons: one is for healing, and the other is to help others. Yes. So, and um, if you would like to do both, and then you can become a Shumei member, and Roy can explain how to become a Shumei member. All right, great. First, I'd like to mention that. Uh, Roseanne mentioned Sampai, which is a word for like uh, a service we have where people come and we chant together, mm-hmm. and then we exchange jore, exchange light. And the chanting is, the underlying reason for chanting is it has a vibration to it, so like a mantra. Mm-hmm. As we chant, it tends to quiet the mind and make us more receptive for the light. And then when we're getting light, that recept- because we're more receptive, it goes deeper. So that's mm-hmm. what we do at the Sampais there. And if a person wants to join us, uh, there's no obligation. You don't have to join. You can just join us. I mean, to receive light, then they can come to the center for those sampais. If a person wants to become uh, an agent of light, someone who can share light with others, uh, to do that, uh, one has to take a few classes where uh, the principles and ideas behind all of this are explained. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Now, although we don't, you cannot, we're not allowed to charge money for giving jore, there is an initiation fee of $300 mm-hmm. to, to learn to do jore, and that's a one-time expense. Beyond that, it, uh, we don't charge for jore. It's, it's something that we do for giving. So a person can come there and receive or come to any center. We have, if you go to shumi.org, you'll see where all the different centers are. Mm-hmm. And you can come and receive light, no holes, no obligation. Wonderful. So in, you pay an initiation fee of $300 if you want to be an agent of light and you want to give jewelry to people? That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. That's what that I wanted to know. I, what we do. Pardon? That supports the organization and what it does. Absolutely, since a lot of what you do is free. Now, if you come to a sanpai, can you do the chanting if you've never, ever heard oh, yeah, them before? By all means. And some people, if they can't quite follow it, they can just listen and still benefit from the vibration. Wonderful. And then eventually, probably, if they come enough, then they'll learn how to do it. A person can also come and help out on the farm. Isn't that right, Roseanne? Yes. It's part of the spiritual practice. Of and you can, you can learn some of the techniques of natural agriculture and connect with the beauty of the land and feel the peace and harmony that's on the farm. Yes. Wonderful. So you could come and, in a sense, be a volunteer and just work. And also, don't you have some open events where people can come and, and take a tour and so on? Uh, yes, we have an open farm event um, usually every Labor Day weekend on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. We just had one recently, September the 2nd. Well, and we tell have a little more about that, like what happens and, at the uh, open farm event. We have speakers mm-hmm. about natural agriculture. Just mm-hmm. recently we talked. To, uh, we had a speaker, um, Dr. Diana Jerkins, who wrote the book Spirit of the Land, which is Shumei philosophy and practice. That's and wonderful. Mainly a textbook on natural agriculture. Mm-hmm, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, I am so happy that you both were on my show, and uh, it tested my ability to have two guests, and I think I did okay. Yeah, thank you so and- much. That was, <laughs> yeah, was great. Thank you, Susan. Was, You're yeah, so we, welcome. We could talk a lot about a lot more about a lot of things. <laughs> I I could talk to you for hours about this light idea because it's you know it's been flickering, uh, no pun intended, around <laughs> in my in my brain for you know all the time I'm preparing this talk for this Sunday. So. Thank you so much. It's been an enlightening hour and for me and I'm sure for my listeners. So thank you for joining me. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Susan. You're welcome. Okay. And thank all of you, all my listeners, for being here today. Please go outdoors and breathe in the fall. Notice all the beauty around you. Even in a city, there are flowers coming up through the cracks. If you are paying attention, you'll see them. There's always the sky Even though you have buildings, just look up at the sky and know that you are being held by this beautiful, beautiful earth that we live on and appreciate and the blessings that you have in your life. Next week, we have Andrea Adler, who will inspire you with her transformational novel, Pushing Upward. Until then, this is Dr. Susan Allison, wishing you much beauty and light wherever you are. Thank you. 
Thank you again for listening to the Empowered Healer Show. Please join your host, Dr. Susan Allison, again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have an empowering and fulfilling week. We are held in the arms of the goddess. We are held, we are held.